going to call the first day is Thursday first.
loving God with all of who we are and loving our neighbor as ourselves. One of my favorite authors is a man named Wesley Jewell, and he he wrote, "You are created to love. You you were created to the image of the God who is love. You were created so much like God, even though we're broken." You were created so much like God that you had the capacity by His grace to experience and to respond to the love of God. And God rejoices. This is a crazy thing. I'm interrupting the author. Let me do it. God rejoices to receive your love, and He rejoices to see you share His love with those who He also loves. Just as infinitely and dearly as He loves you. Find holy satisfaction in your love to Him and your love to others. Just want you to think about that for a minute. God rejoices in your love to Him. He enjoys I don't know about you, but I find that somewhat hard to believe because there are moments when I don't enjoy myself so much. I'm not sure what you think about it. be around you at the time. Um, but God rejoices. He enjoys us in our love. He created us to be in a loving relationship with Him. Jesus said to this teacher, he asked the question about what the most important commandment was. He said to him, Love your neighbor as yourself. Now that raises for me, that raises two significant questions, and I want to talk about them this morning. The first question is, What does it mean to love my neighbor as myself? Uh, and I think it seems to me at least in part that the answer is to determine what do Jesus expect of us? How will we measure our love for our neighbor? When we say, when he says to us, love your neighbor as yourself, exactly what's he talking about? Now, there, are two re- there are two ways to ask this question. One is to find out exactly how much do I have to do to get this by? And the other is to find out really what does he want? Look at the text, verse 35 and 36. Jesus taught us this. He said, Jesus taught, love your enemies. Be good to them. Lend to them without expecting to be repaid. Then your reward from heaven will be very great. And you will truly be happy as children of the Most High. For He is kind to those who are unthankful and wicked. You must be compassionate, just as your Father is compassionate. Jesus says that. This case is written by putting the yellow. Just as your Father is, your Heavenly Father, God the Father. Jesus expects us to love others just as the Father loves us and His. Now, in case you're wondering, thinking, well, maybe that's the only place you say something like that, and, and, 
we are trying to exaggerate things to make sure we got the point.
Holy Spirit can paralyze the truth of love. He can produce love in us to motivate and shape all that we do. Part of our struggle is that we're not really understanding the love that Jesus expects of us. Did you notice what Jesus said in the passage that we read? Yes. For one, he said, God acts compassionately to all kinds of people, even the rude and unthankful ones. In other words, he says, the Father says, bring on the dust and the unjust. Like and then he says, God justified as well as you. I laid down my life for you. Do what I do. So that brings me to my second question. This really goes out of that first one. What does he mean by that? What he means by that is we're to love people, love others, but with God love. Because God Himself, God the Holy Spirit, moves into us. 
picks up residents here and it works for us, we pick up our love. So this sermon is essentially, if you take away nothing else from this sermon, if you go say this is the thing you take away, you can measure your love for your neighbor by what you're willing to sacrifice to see them experience Jesus' love. Measure your love for your neighbor by what you're willing to sacrifice to see them experience Jesus' love. Let me go pause for a minute and ask you this question that you keep rattling around in my mind. What are you willing to sacrifice? What are you willing to give up in order to see other people experience Jesus' love? The world we live in is broken. And there's an old song that says, What the world needs now is love, sweet love. That's the only thing worth feeling there. What the world needs now is love. And that is true. But my question, and I have several questions, I love questions, so hang on, here we go. Why would we settle for a watered-down love that ends up holding hands and singing kumbaya around a fire? Uh, Campfire, when Jesus offers a love that reflects and expresses the passion of God Himself. But why would we accept counterfeit, warm, fuzzy, healing love that celebrates our brokenness when the Holy Spirit extends a love with more than enough power to heal our brokenness? Sometimes instantly, sometimes over time, but it always he extends to us the love that can heal our brokenness. It's more than enough power to do that. You may be thinking, but you don't know how broken. I'm thinking, no. You, you can't be any more broken than Jesus was in the tomb. The same guy that brought him out of that tomb is the same guy that can heal your brokenness. Why would we make a deal with a love, quote unquote, love that provides a false sense of comfort when God wants to give us a love that changes the greed and the generosity? Why would we welcome a false feeling? When we can embrace the love that converts lust and anger into healing mercy for others. Why would we jump at a so-called love that makes us look down at others when we can know a love powerful enough to change our backsliding gossip into bold gospel communicators? Why would we long for an apathetic live and let live kind of love when God longs to fill us with a love that will help us to do anything and everything we possibly can to help the people who died to bring in the gospel. 
fake love. That fake love that produces the old comfort focused fake hope where the Holy Spirit cannot be converted back into other focused missionaries that they saw in the When will we stop asking, what's in it for me? So that we can start asking, how can I show Jesus love to people? When will we say, pray, God, please, please now, whoever that may be? And when will we start off praying that He'll just teach us to love them as He does? I believe we need the love that Jesus demonstrated on the cross outside of Jerusalem about 2,000 years ago. It's the love that takes this book of history. Because if history is collectively, this world is never going to be the same because of what Jesus did for us on the cross. We need the Holy Spirit to fill us so full of Jesus' incredible, inexplicable, inexpressible love that it really does motivate and shape all that we do. I want to warn you, I'm praying for this, not only for myself, but for all of you, and I want to warn you, people will think you're crazy. And you might as well be honest. It, when God feels you so much filled with, with you so much of his love that he feels that what you do and say, people will think you're crazy. You're not sure you can turn to, uh, I believe it's 2 Corinthians chapter 5, where Paul is writing to them and talks about how Christ's love compels them. Thank you, man, I'm crazy. I'm crazy for you. But can you imagine if God's love would escape every decision we make, every word that we speak, every action and relationship that we have to be displayed with His grace and His love? I'm going to tell you one way our congregation can change. I'm going to tell you one way, one concrete way I believe our congregation will take an act on Jesus' love. Is Jesus' love takes us. You heard the phrase, first come, first serve. And we all have a pretty general idea of what it means. It means that the first people present will be the first uh, to receive something often. Something that is available in limited quantities. You know, for example, if you're going to a, a, an opening of a, of a of a store, and the first hundred people get a free pizza, the first come first serve. You know, you you go to some place for a fundraiser, and uh, they have enough spaghetti for 200 people. First come first serve. You can order corn sauce, sauce on, couple First come first serve. Right. You know that that's a, that's a common part of our our, uh, our society and our culture. We understand that concept. First come, first serve. When well, Jesus love rules in our congregation, we're going to say, serve them first. He won't ask what about us. He won't say to me, after serve them first. We won't wonder who will serve them first. 
Because when Jesus loves us, how about congregation to ask? And His love is saying everything we do. We all will say together, we will serve God first. We will. Not you, not them, not us. We will serve them first. We will serve those outside of our family first. We will serve our neighbors and needs first. We will follow Jesus in teaching, serving, and saving the lost first. Then, Some of us think that you about us. If we're filled with love, we're not going to worry about that. If we'll be so convinced that God loves us and He's going to do whatever He can to help us, we won't worry about us. We will never, we will never realize how far we fall short of Jesus' love. If we are left to ourselves, we're never going to understand how far we can fall short of what Jesus' love can do in us and through us. As broken people, our tendency is to look for loopholes, excuses, and exceptions. We want to justify not loving everybody. Over to God, 
and asking the church it. Not what we think we are. Not what other people think we are. Or what we persuade ourselves we are. Or would like for us to be. But serve me, oh God. Explore me as I really am in your sight. Psalm 139 is one of my favorite psalms. In the last couple of verses, this is me paraphrase, and I put a whole bunch of stuff in here, so hold on to your hat. If you memorize this, you're going to be going, where's that from? So let me paraphrase. Examine me and probe my thoughts. Test me and know my concerns and the things I worry about. See if there is any offensive way, any hurtful way, any rebellious way, any less than loving way in me. Then guide me in the path of ways that please you, Lord. You really ask the Holy Spirit to bring the light of grace and truth on our lives. Individually and collectively, and we need him to expose any unloving ways in us so we can repent. As a church there, let me explain it real quick. Uh, when my daughter Nicole moved to Detroit several years ago, uh, I was helping move stuff down there. I was driving a big truck in this U Haul weather or something. Where is the truck? As I was going down, uh, he was off of Bain Arbor Road. I saw this sign that said Ann Arbor. I didn't really stop to think that there was no road at the intersection. It said Ann Arbor, so I turned. Now, you need to understand, she lives east of the highway, and I turned west to go to Ann Arbor. That was an honest mistake. I knew what I had. I mean, I realized sort of thereafter, uh, oh, I want a highway headed to Ann Arbor. I had two choices at that moment. Go, oh, I'll go to an armor flight. Or I had an opportunity to repent. That is, to change my mind, think I'm wrong, and turn around. And I did. I the next step that I repented. I turned around and headed back the direction I was supposed to be going. That's all it means to repent. To realize you're headed the wrong direction and turn around. It's not complicated. It just sounds that way when we move to the church. It's real easy when you know you're driving the wrong direction. We need to ask the Holy Spirit bring the light of grace and truth into our lives. We need grace because if we come into His presence and recognize how messed up and broken we really are, it'll scare us off to death. Or maybe even all the way to death, literally. Unless at the same time we recognize not only is this true about me, but He loves me anyway. He forgives me Part of his family, anyway. 
hold your hand or be honest about myself because I'm an aggressive to some type of Look at me broken. As we pray this morning, I'm going to invite you to, if you would like to, pray here at the front. And if I'm leaving our prayer time, feel free to come to the front. You can stand where you are, sit where the space is needed. You can come stand, kneel, sit here in front. Whatever is appropriate to you in saying yes to Jesus, turn the spotlight on me. Search me. The words that I say in, in my prayer this morning, and it's in your own. You can leave words. You can make your own paraphrase. That's why it's like a prayer. Uh, and pray for Jesus' love to you and you and for you. Make our fears fade as we 
Thank you. 